Good morning. Our scriptures this morning come from the Gospel of John, the book of James, and the book of 1 Thessalonians. In John 10, 27, Jesus says these words, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And then in James, we read these words, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And 1 Thessalonians verse 5 says, Pray continually. I invite you to pray right now. Lord Jesus, our hearts and minds are open to your spirit. And we are so thankful this morning for the opportunity that we have to hear your words, to worship you, and of course to celebrate these young people that are being confirmed today. We thank you, Lord, for the work that has been invested into their education through our volunteers and leaders. We thank you for the dedication from their parents and for the support, of course, of the the church. But most of all, Lord, we thank you that you have called each of them to follow you and that they have responded to that call. God, that call is for all of us, and we choose today to look into your face and to hear your voice. Lord, may we be people who see you clearly and who follow you. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you give to all of us. And we thank you, Lord, also for the ways that you're with, you're with those of us who need your special healing touch this morning. Lord, we lift up today in prayer John Nealon, Leon Smock, Doug Emerson, and Cal Berkey's family as they grieve the loss of Cal's mother. Father, may you bring healing and strength to them all. And Lord, we give you praise for the mighty works that you are doing in our community. And pray continually, Lord, that our church may be a beacon of light to this dark world and that you would be glorified. We thank you for your words. And we thank you, Lord, for Pastor Mike, who will come to deliver a message this morning about prayer. God, may it speak to us and may your Holy Spirit flow through him that he might deliver these words mightily and boldly. Lord, all these things we lift to you, the prayers of our hearts and the prayers uh, spoken with our lips this morning in the name of our mighty risen Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We come to uh, Confirmation Sunday, which is a fun celebration. And if you're joining us for the first time, this isn't what we do every week, but we're glad to do it when we have the opportunity. We do kind of different things every week. And so it's kind of fun to come and see how God's uh, wind is blowing on us in worship service. Confirmation at its base is this. In the uh, scriptures, it says, uh, to be part of Christ, we need to be born of the water and of the Spirit. 
And so many of these students have been uh, baptized before. One in this service is going to be baptized here with water. And we're going to pray the words of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit on all of them. It's our hope that, that when a person becomes a disciple, they receive the, the Spirit of God into their lives. And confirmation this year, uh, as uh, every year, is articulated, directed by some fantastic uh, leaders. Uh, in this case, the ones you'll see today are Matt and Jenny Wildman and, and Guy and, and Danny Trimble. And, and they've guided these students all year long. And at the end of this service, in the final act of this service, we're going to confirm them and uh, and I hope that you'll be praying for them forward. Now, as we go to that, we have a little work to be done uh, because um, we're going somewhere in this church. We're pursuing God's will in our lives. So we start, I start my talk today. If you, if you find that insert in your, in your bulletin that's white and on the back it's got a, a big open piece in it where you can take notes, that's what I want you to have in your hands or uh, if you desire or you can get your smartphone out or anything like that and follow along. Uh, but here we go. We've got some work to do uh, as we move through our service today. When I went to uh, school and seminary, I went to the University of Denver. I was 22 years old and at the I Love School of Theology. We didn't have classes on Friday afternoon or on Friday at all because you were supposed to go out and be leading a church somewhere as a pastor and you'd spend your Friday maybe through Monday or Friday through Sunday leading those churches. And what, something that was really cool when you were in Iowan moving to Colorado is uh, at that time, not true today, but at that time, if you had a student ID, you could ski free on, on Fridays at about 10 of the different resorts. So there was a place called Keystone, and, and a bunch of my friends came to me, you, you know, Mike, do you want to you go ski? And I said, oh, I'd love to go skiing. I mean, I'm from Marion, Iowa, so, you know, like any skiing we did was from like, you know, Hy-Vee to Walgreens, you know, it's called walking in the snow, right? I, I knew nothing about going down, down a hill like that, and so... A bunch of my friends got me together, three of my friends, my best friends, loaded us up. We stopped. They, they equipped me with the right gear, the boots, the poles, the skis and all that. Took me to the hill and they're talking about what we should do and how fun it is to ski. And they've been building this up, the, you know, the 85-minute drive up there. And we get there and, and I say, oh, there's the bunny hill. That's probably where a new skier should start. And they're like, nah, can't learn on the bunny hill. Go to the top of the hill. I should have known because they're all guys, right? So we get up there, and I'm freaking out. I've never got off a ski lift in my life. And those of you guys that are ski or snowboard know the first time off a ski lift is kind of terrifying because it doesn't stop and say, okay, get off now, and you step off. It just keeps going. You're supposed to, which your first time, you think, well, I've got to fire off here 100 miles an hour. Well, that's not the case. But when I get up the top, one of my buddies, uh, Mark Woodbird, had my back. And when I just got to the end, he just pushed me forward like that. And, you know, I did anything like that. But, I, but somehow, I managed to get off, stay up, and not fall. So they all congregated around me, you know, we kind of talked, and they said, all right, let's ski, and then they do one of these. Whew. That was my teaching. I'm like, I really wanted to ski, but I kind of need a guide here, and, and I knew, I was there, there was no walking down the hill, there was no getting back on the lift, so I thought, well, you know, when in Rome, so I turned my skis downhill, and within about the first 12 seconds, I might have set a land world speed record. I mean, I just put them straight down the hill. If you know anything about skiing, what not to do. Put your skis straight down the hill. And I went, bam! I was going, zoom, like that. And then, of course, it ended very poorly. 
Uh, you know, I, I said, I'm going too fast. I got to get out of this. I go in like I'm sliding into third base. Skis go everywhere, hats, poles, and all that kind of stuff. I'm laying there on the ground trying to figure out how to get up, which is another important thing you need to know about in skiing. Because, you know, they've got me on a green slope, which if you've never skied before, it looks like a cliff, you know. But it's not. It's just the easiest one. And, and so I'm laying there with all this stuff. And this little girl on the ski patrol, you know, she's probably 25 years old. She skis up me. Sir? do you know how to ski? I'm like, you, you, you saw that and asked me that question? No, I don't know how to ski. And my second question is, am I going to die here today? No, no, we can get you down okay. But what you need to do is you need to learn how to stop. I said, I'd become aware of that, okay? That's the most important thing in skiing is knowing how to, how to stop. And you, there's two ways to stop. Ski well or use the hill, hill against itself. You know, just turn uphill right? Gravity will stop you. She says, she told me that, and then she says, you just need to snow plow. Put your skis kind of like your pigeon toed, and you know, bend down, and then just kind of ski like that. And then uh, she skied off. <laughs> See, here's the thing about wanting to learn how to ski that day, is as I really, really wanted to learn how to ski, and I was still very athletic at 22 years of, of age, so I thought it would come to me fairly easily, and ultimately it did, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know what to do, and I needed a guide. I just needed a guide, a shepherd along the way. See, we want this in our faith lives too. We really want to do what God wants us to do. We really want to be in touch with God. We really want to be face-to-face and doing the things in our lives that God would have us do, and we need guides. In Colossians 1, Paul writes this, we ask God to give you a complete understanding of what he wants you to do in your lives. What he wants you to do in your life. And ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. See, we crave knowing what God wants us to do in our lives. And so when Pastor Keith and I were, were working on, you know, for a day or so earlier this summer, uh, talking about how we would guide and shape these times, where we wanted to go, where we thought the Lord was taking us, we came up with a series, Because We Believe We Do. Because we know this. We know that many of you love the Lord and are seeking to be in better relationship with Him. And sometimes we just need guides and shepherds to help us know what to do. So here's an overview of what we're, we're going to do today. And it's, it's on the back of that sheet I gave you, the thing, right? The, the highlighted type says this. A disciple is obedient to the Scriptures and has a vibrant prayer life, attends worship regularly, practices evangelism, loves their neighbors themselves, and lives a generation, a, a generous life. Now, I'm just going to focus in on two things today because we want to put some time in this. So the first point is this. Point one is a disciple is obedient to the Scriptures. A disciple is obedient to the Scriptures. Now, what does that mean? I, I, I'm in a committee that our, our central headquarters are in Des Moines. And we do a lot of these WebExes. Do you guys get to do a lot of those? You know, the cool thing about that is you get to save the five-hour drive. The bad news is you're not all in the same room. But the people that are in the room, and I was in this meeting a couple weeks ago, where there were five people in the room, the camera's on them, right? The five of us that are at remote situations, they can't see us. And of course, they start, you know, we have a devotion, all that sort of thing. And then they say, okay, rule number one, no cell phones during this meeting. Okay? That's a two-and-a-half-hour meeting. About an hour, 45 in, I'm thinking... Sorry, guys, you probably don't think this about the work of the church sometimes, but I'm thinking, this is boring. 
this meeting is getting long. So they can't see me. That's important in this story. I pick up my phone. I'm looking on the thing. And I text them one by one by one. By, and by the way, the, the, the message was, you're not supposed to look at this, okay? And, and I watched them through the airways. I text Barry, and all of a sudden his phone goes off. You can kind of see him. And he wants to reach for it, you know? Because they're out in the middle of the table. And then I text Joni. Her phone's shaking all over the thing. And I go all around the table. And they're all, you can see that they know there's like, my phone, my special phone is ringing. And I want to grab it. There's a message for me. Their heart starts beating faster. Their, their, their palms are sweaty. But, but they know they can't touch it right now. And, and anybody that's got a son or a grandson, or maybe it's you yourself, when that phone goes off, you might say, I need to grab it. One of my friends sent me a Snapchat of a bunny smoking a cigarette or something. You know, hey, we got to have it. I mean, we need to rush for it. We want to, because we know that message is, is, is for us. And I, and I tell you this, because I hope that's how you feel. When you think about the scriptures. You see, God's message for you is in the scripture. That's God's primary way for communicating with us. And I pray that your hearts race and your palms sweat. You know, you guys are getting these brand new Bibles today. And I really do pray, those of you that are in eighth grade, that your hearts race and your hands sweat so you can get your hands on that life application bible that the church has given you today and you want to engage in it because of course that's what the bible is for it's for engaging in and and here's why take a look at this slide we believe that the that the bible is god's word and the primary authority for our faith and practice i want to talk about how god how god's word first is the primary authority for our faith what we believe See, the Bible tells us that we need, all we need to know about God. The Bible lays out everything that we need to know about God. And that is simply this, that He is the creator of the universe. There is none like Him. He is the Lord of all lords. He is the King of all kings. He is the great majesty of heaven and earth, everything that was, is, and is going to be. The Bible tells us everything that we need to know about God, and the Bible tells us everything we need to understand about humanity. And this is the most important part about understanding this as human beings, and and I hope you'll plug into this. We will never understand as human beings, we will never fully understand what our purpose is And the point of humanity is, unless we see it in light of who God is. We've got to see ourselves in the light of God. You see, we are creatures, not the creator. We are one among the other creatures, and we're the most important one. You see, we're special. God created us with a special purpose. You guys remember the story. You studied it in a confirmation. I was there. I was at the retreat. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And at a certain point, God says, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, create humankind in our image. And different than all the other creatures, God puts his hands into that. And then he puts his breath into that. He, he, he makes, he doesn't just speak us into existence like he does all the other creatures. He makes us with his own hands and he breathes the life into us, breathes the Holy Spirit into us because we're so unique. We, we are made for a special purpose that God has for us and he desires us to choose it. See, choice is always in front of us. We get to choose to be obedient or not be obedient to what God wants us to do 
in our lives. See, I, I did some entomology on the word obedience. T- take a look at this on the screen. Obedience means to follow, heed, or comply with commands. Now, in the Christian context, we desire that you are obedient, that we are obedient because that's where our heart desires. We get to choose whether to be obedient or not. And I mean choose because here's the problem, and you all know it. We're sinners. We have this gravitational pull. You do. I mean, you got it, Chance. You got it, Leah. We, we, we all have it, this gravitational pull that drags us away from God. And, and we, we're, we're thinking, I want to choose what makes me happy. I want to choose to do the things that, that I love to do. I want to think about what I want to think. I want to choose my road in life. I don't want anybody telling me what to do with my life. And we even sometimes then start twisting the Scripture so it will comply to us rather than us comply to it. You, you see this all the time. We try to make the Bible say what we want to say. There's this movie. I'll apologize ahead of time that your pastor knows about this movie. It's called Dumb and Dumber. Have you ever seen it? (laughs) No, it's not the story of Pastor Keith and Mike. It is not. So in this movie, Jim Carrey, who's infatuated with this woman. You guys all know this line too. He's infatuated with this woman, and he finally gets to a place where they can be face-to-face, and he's wanting to know if if his heart has a chance with her. And she just simply says, no, this won't work out. And he says, do you mean it's like, he says, do you mean like like there's a one in a hundred chance? And she says, no, more like one in a million. And of course, he goes serious, and he says, so you say there's a chance. See, see, we, we, we sometimes do that with scriptures. We, we twist it to make it mean what, what will make our lives, you know, right with the Bible. But you can't do that. You have to take the scriptures for what it is. We twist some of the teachings. I've, I've heard people say this, that, you know, you go to Golden Corral or somewhere and you say, well, I know I, I didn't pay for the salad bar, but my wife did. So, you know, they, the big chain, they can order it. You know, when the Bible says you shouldn't steal, that's stealing. Plus, you should go to different restaurants. But the, uh, you, you have to understand, we can't make the Bible do what we want it to do. We can't use it either to prove that others are worse than us. You know, <clears throat> somebody will do something and say, oh, that's bad. You know, I did something bad, but at least I'm not a murderer, Right? Bible puts that one up higher, which is actually not true. We have to take the Bible for what it is. Oswald Chambers wrote one of the most prolifically read uh, devotional books of our time, and and he writes this in it. Be aware of reasoning with God's word. Obey it. That's simple. Just obey it. Obey it for what God says it is. Don't try to make it say what you are saying. See, I came into this by saying, we are troubled, we are, we are trapped, we are shackled with sin, with choices that make us want to go some other way. But here's the thing, guys. In these books that you're getting, in the books you have on your phones, in the books you have in your house called the Holy Bible, you have the direction and the guidance that will show you how God desires to help you through that and help you out of it. And God will teach you how through His grace and will, will rescue you from and conquer your sin if 
you choose him. If you choose to obedient, be obedient to the God that we see in Scripture and his words. We're to be obedient to the Scriptures because Bible, the Bible is a book about God. It's a book about us. Now hear this, because this is where it really intersects right now with our lives. And it's a meeting between God and humanity. It's where God and human beings meet. See, the Bible doesn't let us forget that God made us for himself. And look what it says in the, in the passage Keith read a few moments ago. In John chapter 10, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. That means you all. He knows you. And they follow me. See, the Bible doesn't let us forget that long before we thought of God, he was thinking about us. One of my favorite passages in the scripture comes from Psalm 139. It helps me understand eternity and all creation where it says in the scriptures, before you were, before you were created in your mother's womb, God knew you, which means before time, God was thinking about you. Through time, God is thinking about you, and God shall never forget about you. See, see God wants to meet us. He, he desires to be in it. And, and the Bible doesn't let us forget that it's God, not us, that takes the initiative in the saving grace. It's God that comes to us in Jesus Christ to, to re- relieve us for our sins. And so the second thing I want to say about the Scripture is about Jesus. See, we believe that Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. You understand that? The, the Scriptures are, are, are the book we, we read and, and the Holy Spirit has inspired them. But Jesus Christ is the living Word of God in whom we can trust our life and, and our death. And the Word to be heard and obeyed is a person, Jesus Christ. That, that's who we're to obey. You see, Jesus Christ is the greatest fact in human history. Our calendars are measured by him. He never wrote down a single word, but more words about Jesus have been written than about anyone else. He never sat down that we know and wrote a single note of music, but more notes of music and songs have been written about him than any other person. He never picked up a paintbrush or made a piece of art that we know of, but more art has been made about Jesus or to honor him than about any other single person. He never built a building that we know of, but more buildings have been built in his glory than any other single person. He is, in fact, the central fact of all of human history. And so when we look at who we're supposed to be obeyed, obey the central fact of human history, which is a person, Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is how we intersect with that in John chapter 1, verse 1. This is how God shares this with us. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Which is to say Jesus is completely God and we see him as a complete human being. Jesus is pre- present at the beginning of creation. That's why we say when, when, when God is making us, he says, in our image, let us make them. The image is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your spirit is created in the image of God, and therefore it is to comply with, it, with, with what God desires you to be and what Jesus teaches you to be. You see, God's not dead, nor is God's simple words on the page our God is involved in us. And here's how. Look at John 1, 14. It, it's a little bit later on. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. His, we have seen His glory, the glory of one, the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. You see, God is fully, Jesus is fully human. He is fully God. And through Jesus, the secrets of all eternity are shared with us. Through Him, all evil is broken and, all, and, and destroyed in our lives. Through Him, we can receive the grace that God desires us to give and be at one with Him and become a new person. And it's really, and I want to tell you this, guys. You've heard it before. You've heard it at camp. You've heard it at that. I want to tell your friends. I want to tell your family. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, this is what you must do. Believe that Jesus Christ is different from every other person. That the scriptures are about him and that he comes to save the world. And then you receive him into your lives and allow his Holy Spirit to fuel you. And then you spend the rest of your life becoming the man or woman that God would have you be. That's what actually what worship and church is all about. That's what confirmation is all about. Which is to say that obedience to scripture means all day, every day, every decision, every thought, everything you do needs to comply with and be obedient to God's plan. We need to practice what it teaches. So I want to loop back to where I started on this first point. We believe that God's, God's word, the Bible, is the primary authority for our faith, what we believe. But it's also the primary authority for what we practice, what we do. That's why James wrote this. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like someone who looks into his face into the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I got to tell you guys, when you get a little bit older, you kind of hope that happens. I mean, I get up in the morning and I'm like, oh, you again? You know, uh, but, but, but that's not what we're supposed to do. You know as well as I do, if you've seen yourself in the mirror, you're not supposed to forget what you look like. But, it says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that's the scriptures, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they'd heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You know, when that little girl at Keystone, Colorado, taught me how to snow plow, I had to do it. She skied off. I got down three miles a mountain, just like this. And as you can see, Pastor Mike did not die. I hit no trees. I got here. We have to do it. See, a, <clears throat> a disciple is obedient to the scriptures, not only in what they believe, but in what they do. A disciple's obedient. Now let's go to the second point. We talked about how a, script, a, a Christian, a disciple, is obedient to the scriptures. The second point is this. A disciple has a vibrant prayer life. See, God speaks to us through the Bible, and Christians speak to God through prayer. Uh, this is not a, a rhetorical question. I know you could have slipped off and be sending me text messages to see if I'll reach for it right now. It's not a rhetorical. You ready? I want everybody to answer, and you all know the answer. The key to a good relationship is... And you guys are bad at this. The key to a good relationship is what? Communication. We've heard this from time, from, from the beginning of our lives. The key to any good relationship is communication. So it's not surprising that the key to our relationship with God is good communication. Look what, what Matthew Henry, a guy who died a long time ago but said some cool things, says. You may as soon find a living man that does not breathe. You guys know you can't do that. That's an oxymoron. It means it can't happen. You may as well soon find a living man that does not breathe as a Christian that does not pray. Do you understand that? Part of the life and breath of our Christianity is prayer. 
Now, I want to make sure that you know, this is not like a super spiritual activity. And you say, well, the prayers are left to, to bishops and pastors and whoever those people are that come to our prayer group on, on, on Wednesday and pray over all the prayer cards. We, we can let them handle prayer. No, 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 no. And, and prayer does not have to be complicated. If you read Pastor Keith's article in Marian Methodist, and I hope you did, you can see that prayer is for us. It's, it's, it's a thing that all of us as, as pedestrians can, can, can get involved in. We just have to be ourselves in the middle of it. I was in San Francisco airport just a few weeks ago, waiting. You know, that's what you do in airports. You're waiting, and there was this woman, and she had her cell phone, right? Now, we couldn't see what she was at because she was at another gate, but she was talking to someone on the cell phone. This is what she was doing. All these gyrations and gestures weren't needed for the person on the other end. You know, I imagine the person on the other end doing the same thing, or more likely if it's me, it's like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay, yeah, honey, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, 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 but you see what she was doing was she was throwing her whole self into this conversation. I have no idea what it was about. But she was getting seriously into it. You know, she threw her hands into it, her feet into it, her body into it. That's what we got to do with our conversations with God. We have to throw our whole selves into there. We have to have conversations with vibrancy and, and, and that are relevant to us. Keith read the scriptures, 1, 1 Thessalonians, where, where it says pray without ceasing or pray continually see god doesn't ask us to pray to him because we're so great at conversation god God wants us to pray to us because he wants to to him because he wants to get involved in your life he wants to get involved in your life you know what when you guys are at, at your junior highs god wants to be involved in you when you're at your high schools god wants to be involved in your life when you're in your jobs your work your family god wants to be involved in your life. He wants to strengthen you spiritually. He desires to equip you to resist temptation. You know, we pray that prayer every week. You know, take, you know, help us resist evil and, t- and temptation, all that. You pray to God. You just go with your own normal voice and ask him to help you resist temptation. And, and God will help you in that. He'll equip you for that. God will give you uh, wisdom if you pray for it in the circumstances and situations of your life. And you'll get to know God better if you communicate. You get to know better with anybody if you communicate. And, and I encourage you not just to meet God through text and Snapchat. Meet Him in real life, okay? Because God wants you praying because it allows Him to get involved in your life. And God wants you praying because it brings you into His presence. See, prayer gets you out of the everyday into a connection with the Creator of the universe. We all got this everyday thing we got on. We need special moments in our days. You know, we need times to just stop and listen. If you read, read Keith's article, it's awesome at that. He, he, he can flesh that out a lot better than I will right here. And prayer connects you with God's purposes for the world and helps you to move from being self-centered to God-centered. And, and I'm going to take it home this way. Vibrant prayer life is two-way conversation. You need to talk with God not just to God. A lot of people just give God a list. God, here's my shopping list for today. Help Aunt Martha, help her cat, help her goiter, help um, me get the right things at the grocery. You can do that. But when you talk with someone, that means you talk some and you listen some. You talk some and you listen some. And please, 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 do it in your normal, everyday voice in life 
Keith and I go to preacher's meetings, and Keith's dad's with us today, too, and he knows this, too. You go to preacher's meetings somewhere, you know, someday you'll be driving down the road, and for two hours you talk to somebody in the car, you're elbowing each other, making fun of the way they're driving, stuff like that, and you say, hey, then can you leave a meeting? And they're like, yeah, let's pray. Almighty God, from who is all things? You, you know, it's like, dude, you're not even from the South. Why are you talking that way? Just pray. Just say your words. I mean, so preachers worry, struggle with this too. Just say the words that you know. And you say, what should I say? What should you say? Rapid fire. Here we go. What should I say to God? Praise God for who he is. Pray, praise God that he's God and you're not. That he's got everything under control you don't have. Throw some adoration at God. Say, God, I am just thank you that you are you and you're awesome and I don't have to be. Confess your sins. We know that if we confess our sins, that God is trustworthy and sure he will come and, and cleanse your soul and give you new life. Pray that, that you might have God's will in your life more and more, that there's more of God in your life and, and less of you. And pray for others. Always pray for others that they might feel the God that's close to them and that the God that's close to them will guide them and shape them in their circumstances. And then people always ask me, will God answer me? Will God answer my prayers? And I said, yes. I always say yes. Now, don't expect the voice of James Earl Jones or a little band of angels to be running around your head. They won't. But expect assurance in your heart. Expect assurance in the quietness of your heart. Expect your spirit to be nudged to the left or the right, the way that God would have you be towards God's way in a way that's consistent with scriptures. And, and expect moments of clarification about what you're facing right now. And expect peace overwhelmingly to come across everything that's what's going on. So, so that's it for today. We, Keith and I are going to be on this for, for 10 weeks or so. And we simply say, because we believe a disciple is obedient to the scriptures and has a vibrant prayer life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, what you've given us. We do, as, as we've said several times in this service, thank you for these students uh, that will say the vows of confirmation shortly. We ask your grace upon all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take a look at this. Um, actually, I enjoyed the music, the 412 group. Just having the uh, kids get together and being able to uh, worship and, and just enjoying the program, um, I think that's special. Just watching the kids uh, expressing how they feel about the Lord. Um, I really enjoy and I think they need the support from our from our congregation well I was taught at an early age that you give uh, back to your home First United Methodist is my home so that's the reason why I give to First United Methodist yes my name is Kenneth Stanford and this is the reason why I give to First United Methodist Church will you please join me in worshiping God this way Will the ushers please come forward?